The Detroit Tigers split a two-game set in Pittsburgh and Eduardo Rodriguez pitches because baseball. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every day, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And it's the same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check mark so you can stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All righty, everyone. We are back. Probably a lot more tame, we'll call it, of an episode today. The Tigers split a series in Pittsburgh. You know, one of the beautiful, beautiful things about the game of baseball uh, in, in a laundry list, in my head at least, is that there's always tomorrow, you know? Whatever whatever happens on the field, off the field, etc., we're lacing them up and we're playing a ball game tomorrow, right? And uh, that's something that is certainly one of the many, many reasons that I, I love and appreciate this game so much. So uh, despite anything, you know, any frustrations people have or disagreements people have or whatnot yesterday, Tigers went out there and won a ball game on Wednesday, and I am never going to complain about a victory. Um, you know, as, like I said in the cold there, like as baseball does, um, Eduardo Rodriguez started the game on Wednesday, the game immediately following the trade deadline. And, I mean, he was good. He was really good. Six innings, seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. I tried to articulate my point as well as I could yesterday, um, but I, I feel like in my range of emotions, we'll call them, maybe it, it might have gotten lost. But I'm uh, I'm certainly not upset that Eduardo Rodriguez is still a, a pitcher in this rotation and a pitcher that pitches like Eduardo Rodriguez is not still or is still rather in this rotation. Um, he's good. <laughs> There's no other way around. He's got a sub three ERA and we're in August, right? Like he's a good pitcher. And um I, I think that one of the other fantastic things about the game of baseball is that there is an infinite amount of ways to build a championship team, right? Shout out eBay Motors. Everybody's got to be a perfect fit. But for real, like there, there is an infinite amount of ways to build a, a champion. And if there was one blueprint and this is what you had to do, then everyone would just do that and everyone would be good all the time. But there isn't. And I very much still believe, again, tried to articulate this yesterday. Don't think I did a very good job, though. Um, that this team can still be trending in the right direction, can still be certainly successful, and can still build a winner over the coming years with Eduardo Rodriguez on the roster. The decision to keep him was not some... Uh, like that's single-handedly going to alter the entire direction of the franchise. 
And so he's still here for the time being. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. He said it himself. I asked him about it after the game. Uh, obviously, he was peppered with questions. And, uh, you know, not too much content as far as, like, his answers went. Like, there, there really wasn't a whole lot of, like, oh, I have much more insight on the situation now. Not that I really expected that, uh, given the magnitude of it. But, you know, like he even said it himself. He's like, I don't have a crystal ball. I have no clue if I'm going to be here for a long time. But uh, he said he wants to be here for a long time. And uh, they'll, they'll see what happens in the winter. So just want to make that clear again, in case I wasn't yesterday. This team can still be good with Erod on it. And there's nothing wrong with having a sub three ERA starter still going out there for your ball club. Uh, as Scott Harris said, once every five days uh, for the rest of this year, it's going to be, you know, for whatever. But if you get him longer term, it's not a bad piece to have in the back pocket. He was great in this game. We'll talk about the actual baseball games for the first time all week. Um, and, you know, I, I think in this one, the thing that surprised me the most about how he attacked hitters uh, was he was not afraid to use his slider. And I love it. Um, I, you know, he's very much a, we, we've said this a billion times over the last two seasons, but um, he's very good at missing barrels, right? And the slider is more, especially with lefties, is more of a traditional bat missing pitch. And so he doesn't throw the slider very often because he's, again, more of a, I'm going to get you to pop up and have weak ground balls type of pitcher. And so it was kind of cool. To see him use the slider, not that he used it, you know, like 50 times or anything like that, but it was nice to see him utilize it a little bit more. And uh, that was, that was a, a, I don't know, refreshing isn't the right word, but um, I enjoyed it. And the more weapons that he has, the more that his, uh, his, his numbers and his results in production, that's the word, is going to be able to be sustained. So uh, I appreciated the the way that he was attacking hitters. I mean, he was even better, I think, than the final line shows. Even the two runs he gave up, like there were like a bloop single over the first baseman's head that fell and whatnot. And the seven hits he gave up, a lot of those were really soft contact. Like it's not like he was getting crushed really at any point. Um, and and obviously no home runs given up is it kind of exemplifies that as well. So really, really solid start for Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, now on to Matt Manning, who pitched two days ago as you're listening to this um he pitched in the we have two games to go over because we didn't and as far as the offense goes we'll talk a little bit about it uh, after we finish Matt Manning but there's not a whole lot to say about the offense on Tuesday's game so uh the only thing we're really going to be addressing on Tuesday is Matt Manning's start it's it's really I've already said this three times but like as baseball does right like right when I Come on here. And I'm like, I think Matt Manning's turning a corner. Look, he like the way that his pitch mix has been had really impressed me over his. Well, before two starts ago, like the four starts leading up to that, <laughs> I guess it's like a horrible way to describe what I'm talking about. But um, he I, I the, the the pitch mix had really encouraged me and he was throwing the curveball a lot more and he had a curveball and a slider. The slider looked good. The biggest thing. In Matt Manning's entire career, and I say this on air literally after every single Matt Manning start, and you're probably tired of me saying it, but until it's not true anymore, I'm not going to stop saying it. Every single start is pretty much contingent on his ability to locate his fastball. He's never going to have pinpoint of 
of the curveball. He's never going to have pinpointed the change up if, if you know, whichever one of those three ends up winning the race to like his go to third pitch down the road. And the slider is more of a like high velo, almost like borderline slider cutter thingy that Michael Fulmer had, right? We're borderline into that t- territory with how, how much velocity is on that pitch. The fastball rules with Manning. It's such a good pitch, genuinely. It's it's so good and it's so effective. The numbers on it are amazing. Uh, even on his bad outings, the fastball tends to be a, still like a pretty solid pitch and it's the secondary stuff that gets crushed. So when he's locating the fastball, it sets up everything else and it significantly uh, lowers the pressure and lowers the, the stress of being perfect, right? The margin of error with your secondary stuff becomes far greater, far greater, far fewer. You know what I'm trying to say? And in this outing, he did not have it at all. The command was all over the place. Um, and not only was the command all over the place, but there was enough, another thing with his pitch mix, which we just talked about, that also upset me. And we will talk about that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Sleeper. Look, the Tigers did hit a home run off of a Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher on Wednesday. All right. If you think that they can do that again, head to Sleeper and swing for the fences with a 100 times payout. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on the stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits. And if you get your picks right, you could win big. It's really, really fun. I've been using Sleeper for ever, really. I mean, obviously not forever, forever, but for a very long time with my fantasy football and fantasy baseball leagues, right? And now that they're into the daily fantasy game, it's a very natural transition for me. And they do a great job. And the the more or less thing is so fun. I think that's a great way to do the daily fantasy thing. And yeah, it's it's really, if that's something you're into, I highly recommend Sleeper. So use promo code Locked On, And on top of just the recommendation, the fact that it's super easy, you will get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow recapping. Well, not a baseball game because they have an off day. We'll probably just catch up on more like news and notes from around the team. There's still a lot going on. We'll also, I think we'll have our first like real discussion about what this team is going to look like post trade trade deadline the rest of the year. I know a lot of people are clamoring about prospects getting called up and and what the usage on some players is going to be. So we're going to take a crack at that uh, and just talk about kind of what I'm expecting and what you could or should expect from this team throughout the remainder of the season as we kind of hit our last checkpoint on the year, if you're not a playoff team, right? The next checkpoint is game 162 already for the Detroit Tigers. So we're going to talk about kind of what to expect until we hit that point. Um, so uh, the only other thing that really upset me with Manning, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, it's not really much of a cliffhanger when you've already talked about it, but um, the, the the usage of his fastball, he just stopped attacking people, right? It is comfortably your best pitch, big dog. Like comfortably, it's not even close. It's not even debatable. It's not even a conversation. It is so comfortably your best pitch. And for whatever reason, 
in this game, he fell behind. And then, like, it was still his most used pitch, for sure. It always is going to be. But, like, he he just he, he wasn't attacking as much as we're used to. And the pitch mix was all over the place because he didn't really have a great feel for any of the secondary stuff. And just the command really went out the window. So now his ERA is 4-5-3. He went six innings, eight hits, four earned runs, six strikeouts. No walks, A, which is great. And uh, he was just missing over the heart of the plate instead of out of the zone. And still at the end of the day, one run away from a quality start. So it's not like the worst outing ever, you know, the, the sky is falling. But like four runs in six innings isn't a masterclass by any stretch either. And some pretty clear things that I looked at and uh, could could wa- still want him to take strides and, and improve on. Let's get to the offense. Enough about the starting pitching over the last couple of days. Um, you know, as we said, on Tuesday, there was just no offense. That was a dreadful performance on the field, which I really don't think helped the situation that was going on off the field with the team and the frustration that people had off the field. Um, it, it was really brutal, and no one was really effective outside of, Riley Green. I feel like I say that pretty much every day. And then on uh, on Wednesday, Riley Green yet again homers in this ball game. He ends up just going one for four with the solo shot, but he drew a walk, and uh, he didn't have any strikeouts. He was consistently hitting the ball all over the yard too. It wasn't just like oh, you know, here's a home run and then three ground balls to second base. Like he had an opposite field fly out that went to the warning track in left field. He had another fly out that went to center. Like he is seeing the ball so well. And I, I, again, I'm not trying to get the hype train up to like an unobtainable level, but like he's, this isn't the final product. Like he still has a, a nut. And I know he homered in, in Wednesday's game, but there is still another level of a power stroke that is going to come and it's going to come to all fields. And it's going to truly be like a watch out everybody else type of moment. And I'm saying this about a dude who's already has an almost an 850 OPS and an average over 300. He's phenomenal. That is the franchise. You can debate all you want about what the secondary pieces are going to be, whether it was smart or dumb to trade Erod, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what pieces would we have gotten back? Who are we trying to, you know, fill the system with, whatever. At the end of the day, this ship is going to start and end with Riley Green in center field. That's a dog right there. Um, Spencer Torgelson, uh, this was one of the worst games he's had in a while. He did have a fly, another fly out to the warning track at one point, but 0 for 5 with 2Ks, OPS down to 708. Cooled off a little bit over the last week. I think at this point, uh, most people aren't even asking for this dude to have like an 800 or an 850 OPS or anything like that. Just a lick of consistency would be great. And I know that like inherently baseball, like, you know, you're, you're not going to get a hit every day. You're not going to get on base every day, et cetera. Um, but it really is like game to game, week to week, just totally a wild card on what you're going to get out of him. Um, and, you know, he, he went the other way on in, in Wednesday's game as well. Uh, obviously, it wasn't a hit. But it's it's interesting because we've talked so much about how much better he is when pulling the baseball. And to see him a little bit lately, not like a ton still, but a couple of times lately, you know, try to slap one the opposite way. It's just interesting. We'll see what happens. Kerry Carpenter uh, goes 0 for 2 with a walk. Uh, the fact that he's walking, I think, is great. It is worth noting his OPS is all the way down to 767 now. 
Uh, it, it has plummeted over the last three weeks. But it's not like he's not getting on base. We talked about it earlier this week, or maybe it was the end of last week. Just no power. And uh, somebody mentioned it in the comment section, and the broadcast has mentioned it as well. Um, he's getting far fewer pitches to drive because I think people realize he's a legitimate power threat. But that's now an adjustment he has to make. And the fact that the, the thing that I like, even with the numbers going down, is that even in his adjustment period, he's still finding ways to impact the game and get on base. Our two RBI single off a lefty earlier this week a walk in this game in three plate appearances. You know what I mean? Like the fact that it's not just, Oh, he's making an adjustment. He's going to go like one for 19 over the next week is at least nice and reassuring. So need to see him continue making those adjustments though. Matt Veerling with a couple of knocks. He stays good. Javi Baez for sure. Uh, 592 OPS for Javi after the hit in this one. Um, Zach Short. I did want to talk about Zach Short a little bit and then Jake Rogers, and then we'll get into uh, the defense. Then obviously we have to have a bullpen conversation after what happened on Wednesday. Um, but Zach Short is unbelievable. It, 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 he His season numbers, 229 average, 673 OPS. Um, but... I tweeted out uh, a graphic of Barry Bonds in his 71. What did he end with? 74? The season where he had over 70 homers. um, One of his seven MVP seasons. Uh, There was a television graphic where it was him when he was at 70 homers. And, you know, it was just a regular TV. Like, oh, here are his stats this year. But they're the most unbelievable stats you've ever seen. Uh, 70 homers, 130 RBIs, like an 800 slugging percentage or whatever. And so I tweeted out uh, like two weeks ago, like Zach Short with runners in scoring position and then used that graphic and had to, to tweet it again on Wednesday because his stats, he has an OPS over a thousand with runners in scoring position. And it's not like it's four at bats. Like he has gotten a a legitimate amount, like well over 30 plate appearances, like a legitimate sample size of, of, you know, that situation with runners on second and or third. And every single time it feels like he comes through average over 300 OPS over a thousand in that situation. And his season stats as a whole are well under league average. Even two weeks ago, like he's on a heater right now, two weeks ago when I first tweeted it out, he had an OPS in the 500s, and he still had an OPS over 1,000 with RISP. The definition of a dog is Zach Short. I love him. He's also been given massive plus defense at second base, um, and he can play. You know, he can play shortstop. He, he had a nice play at third in this game. I like that he's versatile, but second base, like he is a legitimate plus-plus defender as a second baseman on top of that. Um, and it's just, you know, the career arc of Zach Short is fascinating. In December, we we were having conversations daily about, like, when is this dude going to get, you know, booted off the 40-man roster? Like, you know, they had so much turnover with the Castro – I almost said brothers. They're not obviously not brothers. But the Castros and, and Victor Reyes and, like, all those guys at the bottom of the 40-man last year, we had so much turnover with all those guys leaving. And Zach Short stayed. And the reason why is because he draws walks and he plays a lot of positions. And that's a Scott Harris guy. And he's come through a lot this season. So just want to give him his flowers, even if he's not like a long-term piece to this team, or even if he's not, uh, you know, like a like an everyday starter on this team, like at any point, uh, he deserves credit for, for being clutch and having some dog in him. And uh, I think we can all appreciate that. So shot to Zach Short. And then I want to talk about Jake Rogers as well. We'll do that right after this.
All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Uh, yeah, shout out for real. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the support that this show continues to get through whatever happens on the field with the Detroit Tigers. I do not take it for granted, and I greatly appreciate each and every one of y'all for real. Um, yeah, very much so. Let's talk about... Jake Rogers. So uh, Jake Rogers admitted, I'm not sure whether he was supposed to or not, admitted that his name was thrown around at the deadline and that his agent had told him like, hey, watch out. Um, but he is still here. And I'm very thankful for that. I like Jake Rogers. Uh, OPS on the season up to 748. So say what you will about the difference between Kerry Carpenter and Jake Rogers. Their OPSs are less than 20 points apart at the present moment. Right. Um, and, and Jake Rogers, I'm never going to convince you or tell, try to tell you that he is going to be a high batting average guy. If he bats 220 over the course of the season, I'm going to take it and run, but he has one. They showed it on the broadcast, uh, today, the Bally broadcast. Great job by them. Um, a, he has like the second or third highest hard hit rate amongst qualified, uh, catchers, hitters in all of baseball. It's like almost 50%. Right, So when he does hit the ball, he crushes it. He had a homer in this game, obviously. Uh, worth noting. Pinch hitting for Kerry Carpenter, by the way. Um, so yeah, just a, a really, really... And he, he's such a plus defender. I know that there was also... Uh, well, you can kind of transition this into the defense conversation, actually. There was a stat that was tweeted out by Evan Woodbury a, a week or two weeks ago, maybe even now, where Eric Haas's numbers against... Uh, or numbers... How do I word this? Eric, the the pitching stats for when Eric Haas is a catcher are better than the pitching stats for this staff when Jake Rogers is the catcher. And I, for whatever reason, have not addressed that on this show yet. And I've had a couple of people ask me. um, I think that that is why Eric Haas, I've changed my tune at this point to where I think, not saying this is what I would do, but I think he's going to play out the rest of the season on the Detroit Tigers roster for that reason. Um, they're, they're pretty solid numbers. I do think that like who's getting which pitchers matters somewhat in that conversation as well. Um, and, and I still would take Jake Rogers every day of the week and twice on Sunday over Eric Haas at the present moment to be my everyday catcher. Um, but the fact of the matter is such, such a vital and huge part of being a catcher is knowing your staff knowing the, the 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 pitcher on the mound at a, on a day-to-day basis, knowing the, their sequences, knowing what works best, and getting the most out of all of them. And that's why catchers don't demand great offensive production. When you look around the league in the history of baseball, catcher has never been a position where you're like, oh, you're not getting a good hitter out of your catcher. That's a huge problem. You can't win that way. It's the opposite. No one cares, pretty much. <laughs> like, literally, no one cares. So, I think that he will probably play out the season on the team just because even if you were to call up, you know, Donnie Sands or Andrew Knapp or, you know, take your pick of one of the minor league catchers, that's not Dylan Dingler because that's not happening um, at least anytime soon. I I think it's like for the last two months of the season, you want to give your pitching staff a completely new game caller that doesn't know you as well as Eric Haas does and hasn't gotten the most out of you uh, the, the same way that Haas does. I, I think that he's probably just going to stick around for that reason, like it or not. Again, not telling you that I'm like super thrilled about it. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen. So something to keep an eye out there for sure. And definitely worth noting. 
Um, let's talk about some other defensive plays in this game or over the last two days. Uh, Tuesday, what you, whatever, dude. Tuesday, just <laughs> all around. Not a great 24-hour period. Um, Akuba do had a nice relay, uh, relay throw, hit the cutoff man, which was Javi Baez. On one hop, Javi then threw an absolute laser to home. Uh, got the runner out at a play at the plate. Uh, I just, I almost, I think I did actually shed a tear uh, uh, because we actually hit the cutoff, man. It's, it's, I thought it was a, a Christmas in August moment. I, I was confused. I was disoriented. I didn't know where I was when I was watching the game. I, I my, my life started flashing before my eyes. I, I was blown away that an outfielder on the Detroit Tigers, any outfielder, this isn't just a Badu thing. Literally any outfielder actually threw the baseball to the cutoff man. I I, I was stunned. I was genuinely blown away. So uh, all kidding aside, though, that was a fantastic defensive play. Shout out to Akil Badu. He's actually been a big-time plus defender out there. He just doesn't have a fantastic arm. So a lot of teams, I mean, if you've watched uh, the, the games this year, like a lot of teams are not afraid to run on Badu. And that's why it's so important for him to throw it to the cutoff man, especially if it's Javi, who, albeit not a super accurate arm, has a has an absolute hose um, of, of an arm. So a cannon, I guess. he That's not the right analogy there. Uh, he can throw the ball. And he can be an absolute hose from him, uh, but it, he, he has a cannon. So uh, good to see that defensive play happen. Uh, and then Spencer Torgelson, you know, we have to have this conversation. I feel like we haven't talked about it really as much as maybe – it has deserved to be talked about, but Spencer Torkelson is straight up not, he, he's been like a negative defender at first base. Now, before you lose your marbles, the people who love how much he scoops the baseball, that's objectively true. He is fantastic at scooping. And I don't just mean like good or solid or above average. There are, I mean, I test, right? He has to deal with Javi's arm all the time. We just talked about not accurate at all. He's, he, you know, Javi should buy him a car at the end of the season for how many times he's had to scoop the ball. Um, and, and so he's, and there's a lot of analytics. Like we have so many numbers now, right? There, there are numbers that there's some numbers that indicate that Spencer Torgelson is legitimately one of the best at scooping baseballs in the entire game of baseball. Like a, like a top three scooper there is. There's some that, you know, aren't that favorable, but everyone as in terms of scooping, is pretty on board that this dude is, is plus in that category. Pretty much every single other facet of defense, he is minus. Like, like comfortably minus. Not like, uh, he could be better, he's, he's good enough. Like legitimately a negative impact defensively in every other aspect of defense. So, that's something, I mean, he's athletic enough. He has the ability to. He's good enough with the glove too. It just, it's one of those things where I, I don't know if it's a step in development that's weird or what, but I, I he has all of the tools and ability that he should be able to be like, honestly, a big time plus defender. And he's just straight up not. He had a rough play uh, where he just like couldn't catch a, a baseball and just got caught in between of like where to, you know, overhand or underhand catch. And, and he's had a, quite a few defensive blunders this year. And uh, it's just something I feel like once a week, we just got to like, oh, Torkelson had a rough play in the field. And those add up pretty quickly. So something to keep an eye out there for sure. Let's have the uh, bullpen conversation because that's super fun. Um, Jose Cisnero struck out the side in his first outing since the trade deadline. Hats off to you, sir. Nicely done. 
Uh, Going to be on this team for some reason. I hope he does well. Jason Foley, one inning pitched, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts. Foley's command the last three outings has been significantly worse than it was for the first, you know, almost four months of the season. Um, and it's not like he's, I mean, he's, he's walking people. He doesn't pretty much didn't walk anybody for the first three months, three and a half months. So that's already a weird thing. But even the sinker, like the, the hit that McCutcheon had off of him in this outing, that was literally right down the middle. That, that could, I don't think he could have like, like placed the baseball any more down the middle than where it ended up. So some command stuff he's got to work on, but the stuff is still great. He's still a ground ball God. Like he, he still has the ability to get swings and misses with that slider. We saw a couple of times, two strikeouts for Foley. He's still good. And he didn't give up any runs and he wiggled his way out of it. And the fact that like him struggling is still zero earned runs against is pretty encouraging. So um, still love Jason Foley, you know, glad he's here too, but uh, definitely one of those things where he's going to have to, to just get the ball down again. No one's going to be able to, to to lift that baseball or turn on that ball if it's a sinker at the knees every time. You don't even have to be pinpoint as far as like hitting corners. You just got to not throw it right down the middle. So something I've noticed, just the sinkers are getting a little higher there. Alex Lang. Um, so I'm pretty much at the point where I don't think you can really justify Alex Lang being the closer of this baseball team anymore. Um, and that's not to say that he still doesn't have the ceiling to be able to work his way back into that role. And he doesn't have the ceiling and the innate like ability and intangibles and tools to be able to be a really good closer at some point. But the fact of the matter is, uh, on August 2nd, if you look at the last two full months, look at his numbers since June 1st, you, you, you can't have it. Like, do we forget how much this fan base absolutely dragged Gregory Soto through the mud? You want to know one thing Gregory Soto didn't do? Blow saves, okay? Yes, he he, he was a, a, a walking heartburn, right? And he walked everyone and he hit batters and whatnot. And, and if it was a tie game and he came in, he'd give up a run. Gregory Soto, though, over the course of his Tigers tenure, view blew very, very, very few and, and a very little amount of saves. And again, they got the win, right? Alex Lang, this isn't even a blown save for Alex Lang. He was just a pitcher the, before Tyler Holton who got the save, right? Um, but like for, for as much heat as this fan base gave Gregory Soto for just being sporadic and, and allowing base runners all the time, Alex Lang over the last two months has been that I, I, I almost want to say exemplified. I almost want to say he he's, he's been even more extreme when it comes to that. The scouting report is literally just don't swing the bat and you will eventually get on base and it works for everyone. He had two walks in this one and then, at, sorry, three walks in this one and eventually hung a curveball that got hit. He had nobody on two outs and could not close the door. So I, I feel, I again, I still believe in the ceiling of Alex Lang. I still believe that he's so good. He doesn't have to have like Greg Maddox pinpoint command to be a really effective pitcher. I don't think he's like the worst pitcher. I've His ERA is still under four. Like, I don't think he's like the worst pitcher I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but as far as like being the high leverage pitcher, like the 
you know, ninth inning, close ball game, middle of the lineup, like the highest leverage reliever we have. I'm out on that at the moment. And uh, this is a development year as is. He's a piece you have for, under control for the next three and a half years. Use it as a development year. But uh, I, I even with Foley's last three outings, I, I think, I don't know, I have no issue going to Foley or Holton in a close ninth inning uh, over Alex Lang at the present moment. And do it production-based. If he goes out there, you move him down to the eighth inning or whatnot, and he goes out there and his August looks like his May, then like, congratulations, you can be the closer again in September. Like, I'm not saying it has to be like some permanent, like definite thing, but right now I'm, I'm out. Uh, th- this is, this is too much of a, a, a carousel, too much of a circus going on in the ninth inning over the last couple of months now. Like it's a big sample size. It's not like a week. It's two months. Um, and then Tyler Holton closes the door, getting one strikeout in the one battery face. Also, thank you, umpire. Hats off to the man behind home plate. Uh, I'm not sure what your name is. Thank you for the win because uh, I don't know if he had a, a dinner reservation or a plane to catch or uh, or what was going on, but he saw all of those pitches outside of the strike zone that Alex Lang was throwing. And uh, <laughs> the final strike of the game for Tyler Holton, he was like, we're getting out of here. And that ball was well above the strike zone. That was in no universe a strike. And, uh, but it led to a Tigers victory and we will gladly take that. So, oh, uh, what else? Anything else? I mean, looking ahead, this is a little bit of a longer episode than I intended as well, but that's pretty much a daily statement at this point. Um, we have an off day tomorrow. Like I said, we will, uh, we will talk about just what to expect from this team the rest of the year. Then we go to Tampa, Tampa, a playoff team, one of the hottest teams in baseball at the beginning of the season has cooled off a little bit since the start of July. It was legitimately one of the worst teams in baseball, actually, in the month of July outside of the White Sox. So, um, yeah, team that's obviously better than you, but is, uh, has definitely flustered a little bit lately. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. Uh, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. Shots to the everydayers. And yeah, you know, I'll end on this. The, uh, the response from yesterday's uh, episode was obviously a lot of emotion. Rightfully so. I was very emotional. Um, I, I love and appreciate all of you. And, and the reason why I enjoy this job so much and the reason why I enjoy sports so much is because there isn't a bona fide right answer. And I love talking to people about what they think the right answer is. That Twitter space we had on the deadline was was a blast for that reason, right? Bouncing ideas off each other, everyone coming in with their takes and their opinion of what's happening. There, There is no right answer, which is why it's always a debate. And obviously, if you're disrespectful, I'm going to ignore you and whatnot. But uh, the 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 art of the like respectful and fun debate is the reason that I've always wanted to do this since you know elementary and middle school. I've been doing this, and it's it's the reason why I love sports so much, and um, the reason why I I I love this industry so much. So uh, I, I appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, yeah, 
love y'all and 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 love this uh, this fan base and the the group that we have that listen to this show is fantastic. And uh, like I said, yesterday was not like a nail in the coffin of oh my goodness, the Tigers can never be competitive because they have a sub three ERA starting pitcher on their team. Still got uh, still got plenty of opportunities to improve this roster over the next twelve months. So. On to the winter, but not yet. We still got two months of baseball left. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.